0: Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast, followed by a reflection. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Eulogy continued. Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection wrote such lofty and tender things on the grandeurs of God and on the ineffable communications of his love to souls, that those who saw some of the sheets taken from his writings, which he loaned out only reluctantly and on condition that they be returned right away, were so enchanted and edified by them that they could only speak of them with admiration In spite of his concern to hide them, we were nonetheless able to collect a few fragments, if only we were able to find the others. For judging from what we can gather from the letters available to us and from his maxims, we have every reason to believe, as he himself declared to one of his friends, that these little works are nothing other than the outpourings of the Holy Spirit and the product Of his love. He sometimes expressed these sentiments on paper, but on comparing what he had just written with what he experienced within, he considered his writings so inferior and so removed from his exalted awareness of God's grandeur and goodness that he often felt obliged to tear them up right then and there. He tore them up as willingly as he had written them, because he had done so only to relieve his fullness, to let his spirit soar, to expand his heart and breast, too narrow to contain the divine fire that consumed him and made him suffer so strangely. His experience was comparable to a basin that overflows, unable to contain its waters or else to an underground cavern that, unable to curtail the vehemence of the fire it encloses, is forced to release it. Faith was the principal virtue among all those Brother Lawrence possessed. The just live by this theological virtue, and thus it was the life and nourishment of his spirit. It fostered such growth in his soul that you could see he made great progress in the spiritual life. It was this beautiful virtue that put the whole world under his feet and made him so lowly in his own eyes, that in his heart, he considered himself unworthy of taking even the lowest place. It was faith that led him to God and lifted him up above all created things, making him search for happiness in the possession of God alone. Faith alone was his mistress, teaching him more than all the world's books. It was faith that gave him this high regard for God, this great reverence for the sacred mysteries, especially for the most blessed sacrament of the altar, where the Son of God resides like a king, and to which Lawrence was so devoted that he spent many hours, day and night, on his knees, Rendering him homage and adoration. This same faith gave him a profound respect for the word of God. For the church and its holy ordinances. And for his superiors. Whom he obeyed as the vicars of Jesus Christ. In fact, he believed the truths faith proposes to us with such certitude. That he would often say, none of the fine speeches I hear about God. Nothing I read or experience myself can satisfy me. For God is infinite in his perfections and consequently ineffable. So there are no words powerful enough to give me a perfect idea of his grandeur. Faith reveals him to me and lets me know him as he is. I learned more by this means in a short time than I could learn in school for many years. He would cry out, "O oh faith, O oh faith, O oh admirable virtue that illumines our minds and leads us to the knowledge of our creator, amiable virtue, how little known you are and even less practiced. Even though knowledge of you is so glorious and beneficial. From this intense faith came the firmness of his hope in God's goodness, a filial trust in his providence, a total universal surrender of himself into God's hands, without ever worrying about what would happen to him after his death. We will see this in greater detail when we speak of his inner dispositions during his last illness. It was not enough for him, for the greater part of his life, to rely on the grace and merits of Jesus Christ for his salvation. Rather, he forgot himself and his own interests entirely, and in the words of the prophet, threw himself headlong into the arms of infinite mercy. The more desperate things appeared, the more he hoped, like a rock that when beaten by the waves of the sea becomes a refuge in the midst of the storm. He, we already saw this, when we spoke of the inner struggles God sent him to test his fidelity soon after his entrance into religious life. If, as St. Augustine says, the measure of hope determines the measure of grace, we can say that the grace God communicated to Brother Lawrence enabled him, as scripture says, to hope against hope. That is why he said the greatest glory we could give God was to completely mistrust our own strength and trust completely in his protection. Because that is how to make a sincere confession of our own weakness and a true acknowledgement of the omnipotence of the creator. Love is the queen and soul of all the virtues, giving them of necessity their value and worth. We must not be surprised that the virtues possessed by Brother Lawrence were perfect, because the love of God reigned, because the love of God reigned so perfectly in his soul, which, as Saint Bernard said, he had turned toward this divine object in all his affections. If faith enabled him to see God as sovereign truth, and if hope enabled him to contemplate God as his last end and ultimate happiness. Love enabled him to recognize God as the most perfect of all beings, or more accurately, as perfection itself. Far from loving God for his own profit, his love was so disinterested that he loved God even when there was no suffering to avoid or any reward to gain, wanting only the good and glory of God and making the accomplishment of God's holy will his paradise. We will see this again during the last moments of his illness, when his spirit was so free, even until the last sigh, that he expressed the dispositions of his heart as if he were in perfect health. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God are guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and divine love. These three remain, but the greatest of them is charity, divine love. So St. Paul speaks in his first letter to the Corinthians. And since that time, Christians have recognized that among all the gifts God gives us in our souls, all the gifts that come from baptism, nothing is as important as faith, hope, and charity. Now, why are they called virtues? Well, a virtue means an excellence. A virtue means a stable disposition. A virtue means a readiness of the soul to do what is in accord with that virtue. So even outside of Christianity, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, some of the Stoics, they reflected a lot on these virtues. They were particularly interested in courage, for example, in temperance. They were particularly interested in intellectual virtues, that is stable dispositions of the mind to know the truth. They were interested in patience all of these ways in which people could build their character. They could become the, not just someone who acts occasionally in the right way, but they could actually become the kind of person who was ready to do what was the right thing in the right way at the right time. And they could sort of want that. And this idea of a a disposition within you, a stable disposition, that is built up by repeated action so that you become the kind of person who wants to do what the virtuous person does because you've become virtuous this was all reflections that are even outside of christianity and they they recognize that prudence that is the stable disposition of the mind to know the right thing to do to think temperance Being able to be held back, restrained in very pleasurable things, courage, the ability to stand firm in the face of great fears and justice, that stable disposition, that readiness to give to another what is his due, to be happy about this. These were recognized even by the Greeks and by other societies with different names as some of the greatest gifts in this life. Nothing is more useful, the book of wisdom says, than temperance and justice, fortitude and prudence, the cardinal virtues, the hinges. Okay, so, but the amazing thing is Christ brings into the world, by his grace, another kind of inner disposition. A disposition, a readiness to believe whatever God says. That's what faith is. In our souls, if we have faith, we are ready by a gift of God to believe whatever is revealed. Whatever is in the Bible, whatever the church teaches authentically, I'm ready to believe it because I have this gift of faith. And then when you actually believe, when you actually accept, when you actually assent to a truth, that's an act of faith, an act of believing. But the virtue is something that you have even when you're asleep. If you had the virtue of faith, you get woken up in the middle of the night and someone says, do you believe this? This has just been, this is, I've just discovered this in the Bible. Do you accept? Yes, of course, I believe it all. Hope. It's called a virtue because it's something in us. It's a stable disposition. But unlike those acquired virtues that people can do by repeated actions, hope is a pure gift from God. We can increase it. We can foster it. But it's this gift that enables us. You see, that's what a virtue is. It's, it's like a power, a new power that gives you the ability to do what you didn't, couldn't do before. In this case, you're ready to rely on God. You're ready to trust God. Difficult things come. The person with hope, he trusts. He, he recognizes God is my ultimate end. My ultimate happiness. Hope enables a person not just to trust God, but to want God. To want to be happy with God forever. Hope allows us to rely on God's help, trusting in him to get us there. Okay, finally, love is this ability, this power that's put into us. To do what? To recognize God as the most perfect of all beings. When you have love, you are so ready. Whenever the object of your love is put before you, you're ready to recognize him as in his perfections. Because our wills have been given a new power to prefer God, the most perfect being, to everything else. It makes us disinterested. It really makes us interested in him, the one we know by faith, the one we trust and hope. We don't just want things from him. We, by love, we want to do his will. We want to go out to him. We want the accomplishment of his will. That's what matters to us. And that love can grow. It begins with just wanting to keep the Ten Commandments and it grows until the, the highest version of this is in Christ, when he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. So yes, Brother Lawrence is the great lover of God, the great believer in God, the great truster in God. Yes, he teaches a very simple path. But We must take from him this lesson of the value of faith, hope, and charity. And that, by the way, is precisely what the collect of the Mass on the 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time asks for. We ask today in Mass all over the world, Lord, increase our faith, hope, and charity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.